welcome. Thanks for finding the podcast. Hope you're well. Welcome to the Rock, Pop, and Roll podcast, episode number four. I'm Rob Nichols, and radio for 20 years, a music writer, listened to lots of radio in the 80s. It was the best. Uh, I, I lived in southern Michigan in the 1980s. I listened to Jackson, Michigan, Rock 40 station, Q106. I listened to AM radio on WLS, on WOWO, W-O-W-O out of Fort Wayne, CKLW. Listened to my local station, WCSR, where I eventually got my first DJ gig, doing nights, playing some rock and roll. Uh, listened to Detroit Rocker, WRIF, when I got a chance. Listened to an oldie station, WIBM, out of, that was out of Jackson, too, now that I think about it. A great little top 40 station out of Battle Creek, WKFR. I think they are still around today. And listen to legendary talk station. It's one of a kind. WLUP AM 1000 out of Chicago. Oh, it's so good. And we just, I just listened to a lot of radio because that's what we did. We listened to radio in the 80s, right? Hey, welcome to the show. This week, our show is a hit plus one. That's the show title, a hit plus one. I'll explain it in a minute, but we'll have fun with that. We got four bands, four artists that had a hit and something that I call a momentum follow-up hit in the 80s. A momentum follow-up hit. Again, I'll explain it, but at least most had a follow-up hit on the radio with a single or an album cut that got played. Some didn't. Let me explain the concept quickly. Here's the definition. You know it. I'm just putting a little, uh, I'm defining it for, for you. Sometimes a band would have a hit single would have significant radio airplay on like a rock or a top 40 station and then follow it up with a song that was not as good. Frankly, just it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't as good, but it was still a hit because fans of that first big hit single wanted more of that first hit single sound. Now, superstars, you, you, Springsteen, Prince, Elton John, you name a superstar, a rock star, uh, Led Zeppelin, whoever it might be. It, they benefited from this phenomenon too, but it was the new bands that were the most interesting because if they didn't have that follow-up hit quickly, they they ceased to exist, right? We're going to concentrate on the singles because the singles, uh, that's what was interesting to me. There were bands in the 80s. Uh, here's some I could have picked, did not, but looked them up, did a little research quickly. Uh, bands of the 80s, did they or did they not have that momentum hit? Spandau Ballet, they had a hit with True. Back in the 80s, went to number four on the Hot 100. The follow-up was a song called Gold that went to 29. Sounded just enough like true that it got played. So it was a hit. That's a momentum hit. They even had a third hit from their next album, Only When You Leave, which I'd have to hear to remember, but I'm sure I remember it. I, I'm sure I played it on the radio. It went to number 34, and then there was nothing more from Spandau Ballet. Aldo Nova, you remember Aldo Nova? He's Canadian uh, guitar player, had a hit in the 80s, I think it was 1982, with a hit called Fantasy. Went to uh, number 23 on the Hot 100, was a huge hit on the rock charts, went to number three. The follow-up was called Foolin' Yourself. Number 65 was its highest spot. And uh, he now, Aldo Nova, I don't know if you knew this, I didn't know this, produces Celine Dion records. <laughs> the guy who did fantasy. You remember this, uh, the band Big Country? It was their third single from the debut album that got him a hit originally. It was a big video hit, actually, in a big country was the name of it. 
went to number 17, number three on the rock charts. The follow-up was called Wonderland, went to barely scraped the Hot 100, went to number 86. So no momentum follow-up there. Simple Minds, though, the last band that I'll show you as an example. The Simple Minds, a great example. They had, they had the song uh, from The Breakfast Club, Don't You Forget About Me, was a number one went to the top of the charts so then they put out a new album the first single was called alive and kicking it went to number three sounded uh, enough like that first single that people dug it then sanctify yourself was a top 20 hit and then all the things she said was at number 28 and that was kind of their run so don't you forget about me gave them a couple of momentum hits just a couple examples of how it might work does a big hit for a new band mean a second hit well we're going to look at four artists we'll listen we'll see some different outcomes and remember kids it's not science but it's 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 kind of cool so let's uh let's go ahead let's hit it today we play the game called a hit plus one our first artist was a young austin texas guitar player really young in 1985, Charlie Sexton released his debut album. It was called Pictures for Pleasure. It was recorded in Los Angeles when he was 16 years old. It was produced by a guy named Keith Forsey, who was producing Billy Idol at the time. Has that Billy Idol sound, has a David Bowie sound. You, you have to listen for the guitar. It's there, but it's a highly produced sound. This was the hit from Charlie Sexton. Got up to number 17 in 1985. Beats So Lonely. came on the radio beats so lonely uh i said went to 17 number 24 on the rock charts i got a i got a charlie sexton story by the way there's a bar story about charlie sexton and toledo ohio uh this, this was when this record came out it was 85 he had a tour in 85 that went into 1986 the record i looked it up on the charts it took forever for this one to be a hit uh, like almost four months before it started getting you know, top 30, top 20 traction, slow moving hit. So he, he went on a tour and he was playing, he was going to play in Toledo, Ohio. Now I lived in Michigan about an hour and a half from Toledo. This was the pre ticket master days or we didn't have a ticket master in 
where I lived, you have to drive about a half an hour to get there. So, and this was at a bar. It was at a place called Kipps West in Toledo. And uh, so if we wanted tickets, how did we know that it wasn't going to sell out? We had no idea. Is it, you know, Charlie Sexton, how many Kipps West? With There was no internet. How do we, what's this place seat? How many, a thousand, a hundred? We, we didn't know. So my good buddy, Tom Smith and I, Tom and I used to go to concert after concert after concert and f- hear stuff on the radio and we, hey, let's go see that. Let's go see Springsteen. Let's go stay all night for tickets to see Sam at the Silverdome. And we ended up getting tickets in the last row of the upper deck. And again, pre-ticket master days. So anyway, Tom and I, I let, hey, we're going to drive to Toledo. So we did. We drove to Toledo. It was an hour and a half. <laughs> we, we find this bar and we're just going to get tickets. The concert, it's, you know, the concert is two or three or four weeks later. Uh, and so we go in nobody there dark uh there's a band banging around on stage we come to find out that band was going to play that night was nazareth <laughs> and uh so they were they were there what was their song now yo i'm messing with a you know it's hair of the dog i think was the name of the of the tune love hurts that nazareth so anyway we got tickets and they're cool so we left and then came back two or three weeks later and i remember it was a cold night we drove again an hour and a half to toledo to see Charlie Sexton and, and we get in there and there must've been 30, 40, I don't know, 40 or 50 people in the bar. Not, not very many. We ended up sitting at a table, not in the front, but about three rows back, a little round table. I remember two girls came over and asked if they could sit with us and was sure. Uh, and we saw the Charlie Sexton show and Tom said during the show, he said, I bet his encore song is going to be rebel rebel. And I'll be damned. It was Rebel Rebel. And uh, we didn't know. There was no set lists on the internet to, to look at. But he had that Bowie vibe. Cool show. And uh, he must have been, what, 17, 16, 17, 17 probably at the time. They tore it up. It was a, it was a good show. He did he did all the songs off that album and, and then uh, Rebel Rebel. And he was done. It was like an hour and 10 minutes. So anyway, that's my Charlie Sexton in a bar story in Toledo, Ohio, circa 19. 19- whatever that was, 86. In 87, he was opening for, for David Bowie on the Glass Spider Tour. So anyway, the that was his hit. Did he have a momentum hit? Did he have a follow-up? The follow-up hit could have been, might have been, should have been a song. The second single was called Impressed. Had that same Bowie vibe, and I thought it should have had some momentum play. Charlie Sexton had no chart action, very little airplay, and uh, Charlie Sexton was essentially done on the radio after that. He, he eventually produced or had a follow-up with a, with a second album, a self-titled album that he recorded when he was 20 years old. It was produced by 
the great Bob Clear Mountain, who did all the Brian Adams albums, produced all those. He uh, produced Hall & Oates' Big Bam Boom album, mixed hundreds. He was a mixer, still is a mixer. Uh, hundreds of great albums. He did Born in the USA, mixed it, and eight other Springsteen releases. So he was somebody who was uh, accustomed to rock and roll and that guitar and that drum. Uh, but the follow-up didn't do much. 1988, Charlie worked with his brother Will Sexton in a, in a little band. If you want to check out the L.A. sound of 1988, Will and the Kill, one album. David Grissom played guitar on that album. Grissom later had a band called Storyville, and then he played with Mellencamp, John Mellencamp, on the Whenever We Wanted album from the early 90s. And there was a single off that Will and the Kill called Heart of Steel, if you look that up on YouTube. Another example of the L.A. sound, Charlie Sexton went on to be in the Archangels, produced by little Stephen Van Zant. Charlie himself produced Lucinda Williams one time, Essence, the uh, album from 2001. And so now what's he doing? Charlie Sexton's in Bob Dylan's backing band. He was in the band from 1999 to 2002, left, came back from 2009 to 12, and rejoined in 2013, and he is still in Bob Dylan's band. So there you go. There's your first look at Momentum Hit, Charlie Sexton, off of Pictures of Pleasure. Uh, pictures for pleasure. He did not have a momentum hit. So let's take a look at a second band, another band that rocked with that late eighties, LA sound, digital, the sound of digital recording, lots of gloss, but welcome to the Boomtown was raw lyrically. It, it was not necessarily made for radio with the lyrics. And that's really what made that album work compared to the sound of pictures for pleasure that we just heard Two L.A. records. This was the hit from David and David. Uh, did it have a follow-up? This was the first one. Welcome to the Boomtown. Went to number 37. Was a top 10 rock uh, rock radio station song. Miss Christina drives a 944. Satisfaction oozes from her pores. She keeps rings on her feet. Marble on the floor Cocaine in her dresses Bars on her door She keeps a back against the wall She keeps a back Did you dig that sound, that record, that single? I did. Man, I love the David and David, uh, David and David debut album. I have it on vinyl in the very room right now where I'm recording this podcast. David and David was David Bearwald and David Ricketts. The album went to number 39 on the Billboard 200. It was actually certified gold, sold a half a million copies. And uh, the follow-up single, was it a momentum hit? Uh, it was a momentum hit. It was more upbeat, had a really, this song has really a, a good hook in the chorus. Listen for that. Not a top 40 hit, it was big on rock radio. It's Swallowed by the Cracks. But at number 14 on the rock radio charts, David and David. I once was a dancer, young ones like you, though I know I don't look it. 
That's one of those songs that just, <laughs> you hear it and you go, man, I remember that was really good. How come I don't ever hear that anymore? Uh, there was a third single from the Welcome to the Boomtown album called Ain't So Easy that was actually not quite as big of a hit on the rock charts, but it did hit the Hot 100. It made it to number 51, um, but they broke up before a second album could be made. Both actually collaborated with Sheryl Crow on her debut album. It was the Tuesday Night Music Club album that sold 8 million copies and these guys, they co-wrote all i want to do co-wrote leaving las vegas and strong enough three single three strong singles so that's what they ended up uh going to from that band in that album and welcome to the boom down so there you go and a couple mon- momentum hits you're listening to rock pop and roll the podcast i'm rob thanks for tuning in our third band today on a hit plus one is the michael stanley band michael stanley is Cleveland's answer to Bob Seger, almost. He had hits nowhere but Cleveland and was huge in Cleveland. And no, no hits in Cleveland for the longest time. Never broke out like Seger did, though he did eventually have a hit. He was a Cleveland hero. Uh, Michael Stanley's first album was 1973. Just built a following. He didn't have a hit until the one you're going to hear is from 81. But he was big in Cleveland. Drew 20,000 people to Richfield Coliseum back in 79. Drew... 40,000 for two shows on New Year's Eve of 81 and the first day of 1982. And they drew 74,000. Michael Stanley had 74,000 during a four night stand at the uh, outdoor like uh, Pine Knob or Deer Creek. The Blossom Music Center was the name of it. 1982 drew 74,000. Now here's the hit. Here's the Michael Stanley band hit from it took them to their eighth album, 1981. Clarence Clemens plays sax on this. It's called He Can't Love You. Top 40 hit, went to number 33. The album was Heartland. Actually, the song was not sung by uh, <laughs> Michael Stanley's first big hit, not sung by Michael Stanley. Go figure. Uh, written and sung by a keyboard player in the band, Kevin Raleigh. Uh, the video, He Can't Love You, the video for that thing was the 47th, there's <laughs> my research, was the 47th video ever played on MTV. Back when MTV would accept a video from you and me because they, they needed videos. The story of that breakout album, that Heartland album, the band had been dropped by Arista Records, so they were without a major label. They decided to record an album on their own. The label EMI picked them up, gave them a four-album deal in the process. They had the hit, and then they had five singles over the next two albums that did absolutely, well, almost nothing. No higher than number 64. There was no direct momentum hit for the Michael Stanley Band. So here's the next time they would have a hit. It was 1983. 
They had a, a song that went to number 39 called My Town. There it is. the definition of heartland rock and roll right <laughs> that melancampy sound of uh, guitars and drums and whiskey stained vocals michael stanley band um and that 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 song got them appearances on american bandstand on solid gold so they were doing all right and the record album contract was up <laughs> and emi said i'll give it we'll give you a six-month extension uh, the band wanted longer terms more money Michael Stanley turned down that extension. He was hoping for another offer. The record company said, nope, dropped the band. The band broke up in 1986. Today, Michael Stanley, he's still around Cleveland and still plays with his band, Michael Stanley and the Resonators. So uh, a momentum hit delayed for uh, the Michael Stanley band, but not, probably not the definition of, but yeah, I like both songs. So there you go. Uh, finally, our fourth, our fourth artist, our fourth musician, really this guy is a uh, rock legend, part of four great bands. Randy Meisner, he was in Rick Nelson's country rock Stone Canyon band back in the late 1960s. Randy Meisner was a founding member of the West Coast country rock purveyors Poco. Randy Meisner was in Linda Ronstadt's band in 1971. That same band had Don Henley, Glenn Fry, and Bernie Ledden in it. Those three plus Meisner would go on to form the Eagles. That's four pretty, imp four pretty impressive bands to be in. Uh, Randy Meisner was with uh, the Eagles until the late seventies. He went solo. He had a couple of solo hits. Story goes that in 77, 1977, Randy Meisner, who sang take it to the limit. That's it's Randy in the high notes. If you take it to the limit one more time, he was struggling to hit those high notes and they had a, the Eagles had a show in Knoxville, Tennessee. Meisner decided to skip the song. Glenn Fry didn't take well to that. They got in a fight. Meisner later said uh, that was the end. He was out. So he went solo. Had a 1980 album. Uh, it's called One More Song. It featured on that title cut backing vocals by Don Henley and Glenn Fry. So somehow they managed to uh, patch that up just a little bit. But that album had his first solo hit. We'll see if it had a momentum follow-up hit. But this was top 10. On the radio, Hearts on Fire, Randy Meisner.
Randy Meisner, top 10 hit, was number 14 on the rock singles chart, or rock tracks chart. Uh, Hearts on Fire. He actually had a hit, had a sort of hit before that. I'm not counting it, though. It was a duet with Kim Carnes that went to number 22 in 1980 called Deep Inside. Deep Inside My Heart. I don't remember it. I would have to hear it. I don't know if I've heard it before. Uh, my research did not go that deep. I did not try in YouTube or Spotify that one, though it would be easy to do. Didn't do it. So anyway, was the, that Hearts on Fire was the hit. The follow-up hit was his next single. In 1982, he released a self-titled album. And here you go. Here's that momentum hit uh, that went top 20 in 1982 great and listen for great chorus hook i mean the chorus the chorus is the whole thing on this song people because the rest of the song is at whatever but uh never been in love before i can't stop I could listen to that chorus over and over and over again. I am such a sucker for those big, fat, chill-inducing pop rock ramp up to the chorus things. Sucker for that loud, sugary chord progression and changes that he does there. Uh, so that was his follow-up hit and never had anything after that. Yeah, what is, uh, two pretty good ones. I'll tell you a YouTube video to go look at, though. He was on a uh, on a show called Fridays. It was like the... ABC's answer to Saturday Night Live and Friday's had Michael Richards, who later went to be Kramer on Seinfeld. Well, Michael Richards was in Friday's and was really good in it, but he was a little, yeah, a little he was a little off. So he, he introduced Randy Meisner that night that he was on and went through this whole speech and dressed up as a, <laughs> I don't know what he's dressed up as, sideburns and a leather jacket and not not playing himself and he introduced randy as not randy meisner and randy corrected him from the stage so look up that look up that on youtube side note val gray produced uh, randy meisner he also did kim karn's betty davis eyes which was a, a number one song for like a million weeks in a row i don't know 10 weeks nine weeks in a row he uh, Val also produced the motels. Remember the motels only the lonely. So anyway, that, that's, that was it for his solo hits. One other Meisner note, uh, in 1989, he did join re, uh, rejoined Poco for their legacy album and a tour. Call it love was a top 20 hit for them back in 1989. Another song I remember playing on the radio. His last known public performance was 2008 in Naples, Florida. So Randy's not active in the music business. So there you go. That, kids, is almost the show. Hang on, we got a little more for you, though. But first, we want to say thanks for listening to the podcast. Subscribe to Rock, Pop, and Roll on Apple Podcast or wherever you do get your podcast. We'd appreciate it. Look for the new full-length, uh, new full-length episode to drop every Wednesday. If you like the show, you want to help us out, it's real easy to do that. You can leave a review wherever you listen to the, uh, your podcasts. That helps us know what you like about the show. And we end with one last fact, a nugget that we found along the way that did not make the podcast. And our nugget this week is a little bit of uh, info on that band uh, Poco. 
legendary band, East uh, early West Coast, not East Coast, West Coast country rock band. They formed out of the breakup of the Buffalo Springfield. Uh, Meisner was an original member back in 1968. They got back together, I found out, because Richard Marks and his manager took on Poco. They reunited the five original members 20 years after their debut. They had Call It Love, that hit in the fall of 89. They had another top 40 hit, Nothing to Hide, which Randy Meisner actually sang, that earned Poco its second gold album, 500,000 in sales, just its second gold album. They released 19 of them. So anyway, there's one nugget. The other one I found out, Timothy B. Schmidt, bass player, he replaced Meisner in Poco. When Meisner joined the Eagles, well, when Meisner got kicked out of the Eagles, Timothy B. Schmidt replaced him in the Eagles, and he's still in the Eagles. <laughs> so there, there you go. A couple facts for you. Tweet us your questions, your comments, suggest a topic, or just tell us about a band that you think really rocks and pops. We'd love to hear from you. Find us on Twitter at 80s Rock Pop Roll. And if you want to show your love for rock, pop, and roll, you can just tell people about us. Tell people about the show. Tell them to listen. Tell them why you like to listen, and we'd appreciate it. You can hear all the episodes and read the blog on the website, rockpopandroll.com. And thanks. This episode is dedicated to Tom Smith, my great friend and constant concert companion during the 80s. He loved music. We listened to, we talked about it together all the time. Tom passed away in late April from coronavirus. Love you, Tom. This show's dedicated to him. And to play us out, Poco's momentum hit from that reunited Poco that went to number 39. We're going to play Nothing to Hide because it reminds us of the sound of Take It to the Limit. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Podcast drop on Wednesdays. I'm Rob. Be good to each other. Take it to the limit.